big sky, big potential. In association with Mills and Reeve, this is Eastern Promise. Achieving more together. Ironically, whilst Cambridge aims to be the best small city in the world, it represents opportunity and potential so massive it defies cliché. The government recognises this potential and announced its Cambridge 2040 plan for a new R&D space alongside a quarter of a million new homes earlier this year. But that got me thinking. What if there's a better way? Whilst labs naturally want to cluster in Cambridge, could much of the housing the city really needs, along with new locations for the warehousing, offices and advanced manufacturing being displaced from Cambridge, be accommodated elsewhere in the east of England? Is there, in short, a way to support growth in Cambridge so that everybody wins? Eastern Promise thinks there is. Part of the Cambridge-Norwich Tech Corridor, in the Norfolk Brecks, from Attleborough through Snetterton and down to Thetford, has the unique potential to deliver a sustainable win-win. In this, the second of the two roundtables, we look at why Norfolk is so well-placed to support the sustainable growth of Cambridge and the assets that empower this slice of the Cambridge-Norwich Tech Corridor to rise to the challenge. Part two of the panel, and we still have with us Chris and Rob, and we're joined now by Paul Downing from Nettleton Business Park and Anna Aldous, again, from our very good friends at Mills and Reeve. Anna, can you reflect on what you heard in the first panel? And then we'll sort of hopefully kick that off into a wider discussion of how we make it happen. I think first and foremost, it's really exciting, uh, you know, for businesses and for people in Cambridge and in the tech corridor, because Cambridge in particular has seen some exponential economic growth in recent times, some really exciting businesses, really innovative and really world leading. Um, and I think that is now starting to trickle out and I think Chris made a really good point as well it isn't the centre of the universe Norwich has also had some really exciting um, developments over the past 10 years as well the Norwich Research Park is again world leading um, so actually it's really nice listening to that first discussion I'd actually be really proud um, to live around here I think the thing for me out the first discussion is that's great and it's exciting but I think for me, Rob hit the nail on the head when he said it's all about housing now. It's about the ecosystems that sit around and support that. I'm Norfolk born and bred. And for me, coming out of my late 20s into my early 30s, affordable housing was a big issue. Where do I want to locate myself as a professional worker in this area? I split my time between Norwich, Cambridge and London. Cambridge was not a runner for me. Um, and I think, again, that is where the opportunities for growth come in that tech corridor are things like Thetford, Attleborough, those large-scale urban extensions where we're going to get the meaningful quantity of housing. Mm. 
mm-hmm. to support the economic growth we've seen in the main hubs. But with that does come its challenges. Um, uh, and for me, part of what I'm really passionate about is turning those spaces into places. How do we make sustainable communities in the long term? Um, and that placemaking piece, I think, is going to be a key challenge to making this really successful going forward. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. And I think it's, it's, it's a bit of a boring cliche I've, I've developed, but I'm going to you know bore you with it anyway. In that looking, we, we're going to try in this conversation and sort of narrow our focus a little, but looking more broadly, I, the, the Norwich-Cambridge corridor, I've kind of view, come to view it as a jigsaw puzzle in that not everything will fit together every which way, but where it does fit together it can create a really beautiful picture. And I shall I shall stick with that, that uh, rather pained and strange metaphor and ask Paul, who is the director of the Snetterton Business Park, to just give us his thoughts on, on what he heard in part one. I think what I found really interesting was the conversation around the Norwich to Cambridge Tech Corridor in so much that I think that's a fantastic vision. I'd like to see it come into fruition, really. And I think we're very lucky, I'm, you know, to own... A 65-acre park situated between Attleborough and Thetford because if we talk about affordable housing and people having somewhere nice to live, Snetterton's quite well located to for, for people to live in either of those, those towns. So I, I think one of the other points that was raised was Cambridge. We don't have to compete with Cambridge. We need to identify what we can do to support Cambridge and what businesses are running out of space in Cambridge where they could locate at Thetford, Snetterton or, or closer to Norwich, where we can provide um, space that's more affordable um, and we've got the land on which to develop. Yeah. So I, th- I think the, the, the vision of the Tech Corridor is really, really exciting. And I think we just need to collaborate, hold events like this where we get people talking and thinking about how we can all work together to deliver that vision. Uh, that's absolutely fantastic, and I, I absolutely agree. And Snetterton is a really exciting, and uh, you can't drive past it. I don't think without getting some sense of the huge potential that's that, that that's lying there, waiting to, to to be unleashed. Now, I want to bring in. I'm going to bring in Rob in a second, uh, but before that, I'm going to ask Chris, uh, as we did in in his recent interview with Eastern Promise, to just the tech corridors obviously mentioned quite a lot uh, naturally. Where does the corridor sit as of as of the recording, and 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 how is that that vision being taken forward, which we absolutely wholeheartedly behind on Eastern Promise? So the vision is around realizing the potential of uh, of the corridor between Cambridge and Norwich. Cambridge's potential is there. It's more about constraint and how do you deal with the constraints. Uh, Norwich is one of the five fastest growing economies uh, consistently over the last past period so both places are growing you have a really good dual day 11 it's uh, and you also have uh, space uh, for homes and for businesses uh, and some really interesting places in in attleborough thetford uh, mildenhall was talked earlier yeah. so the vision was really about how can how can cambridge work more closely with partners to the east Cambridge is in demand as a must-do business with location for obvious reasons. So there's, how does it how does it work along the uh, the corridor into London? So the, the into in, into the the, um, the M11 A11 corridor. How does it work? It's courted by Oxford in the western direction. 
and then uh, through the combined authority um, collaboration so on with peterborough so so it's if you think of cambridge as a clock face it's got it's got it's got uh, opportunities to the north to the south to the west but until we developed the uh, corridor concept. The east was uh, there be dragons. Nobody knew what um, <laughs> what lived. It may be the place you go on holiday. It may be the place you um, you know you drive drive along the A11 in order to get to Bona Market or to get to the the North Norfolk coast and so on. But it wasn't seen as a collaborative place where there were business opportunities, housing opportunities, uh, and so on. And so the the genesis of the corridor goes back to back to, actually back to Lord Sainsbury who who worked with the uh, the two county councils Norfolk County Council and Cambridgeshire County Council to say actually there's something interesting particularly around agritech mm. and agritech was the first kind of thought behind it that actually you've got some interesting stuff in Cambridge but actually the agritech expertise if you added Norfolk's agritech expertise you've got three times yeah. uh, what you'd have by just Cambridge alone. If you think about food security and food production, the same. Um, the life sciences, there's some interesting stuff. So life sciences in Cambridge tends to be around human life yes. science. In Nor- in Norwich, it's around plant. It's kind of everything except humans. And, you know, when some time back, the Genome Analysis Centre moved from Sanger Institute in Cambridge up to Norwich. That was kind of proof of that. Actually, you've got you start start you've got two poles of a, of a of a potential corridor. And then colleagues in uh, in South Norfolk and Breckland, West Suffolk, all said, "Well, hang on, we've got this developable land. We've got these opportunities for growth and so on. How how about we we work together?" So that, that was the genesis of it. Um, I think you alluded to before that when you get lots of different political institutions, people are pulling in different directions, different timescales, and so on. So, so there's certainly there's certainly clarity of vision, but in terms of delivery, the pandemic suddenly appeared and uh, and attention's focused on that and i think we need to sort of redouble our efforts to focus back on what are the uh, what are the key things that as partners we could do together not trying to do everything not trying to boil the ocean um, and interesting uh, hearing about housing i'm interested uh, in working with Paul on how we how we develop uh, SNET and Business Park, which I think is one of a huge, huge asset in for both counties and actually for all three counties, if we include Suffolk as well as part as yes, part of absolutely. it. So, so I think you know we are we are at a state of work in progress, but events like this really show and highlight the potential. But there are some tangible things that have happened in terms of links between the NRP and Rosbird and you know with in with Cambridge and working with with a number of partners so I think there are a lot of people who are uh, who, who are now doing some of the detail to complement the the kind of original vision I think you you mentioned the Lord Sainsbury and I was fortunate enough to interview Nick Talbot who is the director of the Sainsbury laboratory and he made it clear to me that when it comes to plant science Norwich is is the international leader is in a class of its own? You got the John Innes. I, I, we, 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 uh, I, I put it to him this way: that uh, the John Innes Centre is all about taking plant science and answering some of the key questions of our age, and the Sainsbury Laboratory is making sure that the plants stay alive and thrive to answer those key questions. And he 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 agreed that was a simplistic but accurate uh, overview. Rob, in terms of seizing the potential of somewhere like Snetterton Business Park. And I ask you to say this with Paul sitting very close at hand. 
what kind of businesses are being displaced? Is there any displacement going on in Cambridge? Businesses saying, I can't stay here, but there's so much demand for labs, we can relocate somewhere else cheaper and then make a, quite a lot of money on our on our premises, converting that to lab space. Yeah. How much is that prevalent? And where can somewhere like Snetterton tap into that demand? Well, it's very prevalent because in the last, say, three, four years, the demand for laboratories is so high. In fact, our recent... Figures only came out this week. We do a half-year data analysis of our commercial floor space in Cambridge, and it was published last week. And 85% of all demand for space is labs. That's, mm. that's a lot. So those sites that are taken for labs tend to be light industrial, general industrial brownfield sites, ex-farmyards. Uh, we're seeing... Villages within three to five miles around Cambridge come forward. Uh, if you can't get in Cambridge, you want to be close to the edge of it. So also you might have heard the Grafton Centre, which is the second yes. premier shopping centre. We're putting in, we put in a planning application for labs for the whole site. Also the Beehive Centre, which is a retail centre in Cambridge, not far from the Grafton. An application's just gone in for labs on that. Yes. So there will be shops and there will be cafes at ground floor level. But above them, we're going for labs. So you can just see the demand is so great. Where do we go? So we're displacing all those light industrial units, general industrial parks, storage facilities. They've got to go somewhere else. Now, what it's interesting what the conversation's going here, because obviously, uh, if, if your listeners are really keen to get into the detail of this, Bidwell's and Perkins and Will, American Architects, produced the Tech Corridor Report, it's a 100-page report. It's got graphics, maps, data to look at all the sectors between Cambridge and Norwich. This was done for the New Anglia LEP. So it's an interesting document, and it looks at what the key strengths of this corridor is, and agri-tech, plant science, and are coming on the rails, renewable energies and uh, mm. innovation, environment matters. So we're looking at Great Yarmouth, we're looking at the Suffolk coast, North Norfolk coast, Backton. We're looking at getting the wind turbines erected on on sites, on brownfield sites, and then getting shipped out to the world's largest wind farm. So you can see agri-tech, renewables, environmental stuff really coming forward, working with UEA and, and other academic institutions. So it's all coming together and you've got to get the right infrastructure in the right place. So what you said about homes, yeah, you've got that, yeah. to have homes right on top of jobs to reduce commuting. You want to create environments, social environments, community is the word, so that people can get out of their house and walk to work or cycle to work. You can do that, you know, if you put your mind to it. And as I say, Snetterton has got brilliant potential, bits of Attleborough as well. Um, and Thetford, you know, you've got to look at these really closely and do a master plan vision for them and just see if it works. Talk to the local players, town councils, big business in that zone and you, you can make it work. I absolutely couldn't agree more. Anna, in terms of assembling something like that, reflect on that and, and where, where is, I mean, there, there'll be all the, the local authorities in the area and I'm not obviously trying to step on their toes at all will have plans in place for their own parts of the geography. But how is the best way we can start pulling that all together into either an overarching visions or overarching complementary visions? 
I think the key is communication. And it's quite interesting what Rob touched on earlier, where at the minute, politically, we're rowing back on this statutory duty to cooperate. And ironically, it seems to be happening (laughs) just at the wrong time. So I think, for me, you don't need to legislate for that. But if we are really going to drive forward uh, a world-leading vision, communication from local authorities is going to be key. When we talk about the scale of particularly residential growth needed to support these industries, you have to do it at a master developer, master planning level. The urban extension Thetford, I think we are 6,000 homes consented. Atterborough, another 4,000 homes. Five. Five thousand in Thetford. Five in Thetford, thank you, Chris. At kind of level, turning those spaces into places where you foster communities, these world-leading scientists and professionals, and equally the constituents we already have, want to live, is a real challenge. How do you make those places people want to live? Where you see large-scale urban extensions elsewhere fall down is whilst infrastructure-led is key... Without the community shops, without the village hubs, without the heart to those communities, are we really going to be attracting the people we need to support the economic growth we're talking in terms of jobs and industries? I was going to make a couple of of points. I mean, look, I I completely agree with those. I mean, look, for what the the biggest challenge of bringing forward urban extensions and and uh, and development of that scale, and I think. In a sense, Cambridge, it's no different. Is the is the upfront cost of infrastructure? Developers can be brought forward, but then you end in that absence of upfront infrastructure. You end up making compromises. You don't get the settlement and the community that that you want. So it is a national challenge. It's a national challenge which um, you know we would we would put out there. To government to say we need better solutions. We need better solutions. I think certainly for some of the developments around Cambridge, and part of the reason why, should we say, the plans to quadruple Cambridge size weren't universally um, received <laughs> as, uh, as 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 a great uh, as a great a great move forward because there's there's a little bit of cynicism amongst communities about that infrastructure piece. Um, you know, we as county council are working closely with Breckland colleagues on both Attleborough and. And Thetford, Breckland are the, uh, are the lead. We're, we're very supportive. But just the sheer amounts of money that are required to bring forward some of these things is, is challenging. And that then, as a consequence, you then end up making compromises on the, on the community piece. So, so I think that's important. And what I would say, then going, going back to the point about communities. So, so for me, the, some of these communities, we need to, in, in my view, if you, we're talking about the village shop, the village pub and so on, how do we... How do we encourage uh, local businesses, local entrepreneurs, and so on, to set up and be the and be the businesses in these in these new settlements and so on? Then you then you you don't then get a same town as everywhere feel. I'll give an example of um, uh, North Walsham, where the where where the district council's doing a heritage action zone within the within the town uh, within the town, and 
as part of the uh, regeneration and so on, um, a number of new independent businesses have, uh, have come and, and set up in, 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 in that particular town and so on. And I think it's that how do we how do we enable work with the local communities to um, to take the advantage of opportunities that having a new settlement, you know, their bakery, they could have another branch. How do we how do we enable them to do it rather than mm. Tesco just drop in or, or another or a big multiple and so on? How, how do we enable those? And then then you feel that you've got a distinct community with identity and uh, and somewhere you really want to live. Yeah, I think that that's really, really key, Chris. And just to feed into that funding point, I think the case in point here is the duelling of the A11 has been seismic mm. for the region, yes, yes. both in terms of residential development, but also for businesses yeah. like Paul's. And I think that will remain true as all these large-scale urban extensions are going to be infrastructure-led. And so therefore, I think maybe fostering a different approach to development is going to be key. Um, what we're looking at, one of the buzzwords around development at the minute is patient capital. Mm. So removing that need for short-term profitable yes. gain and saying, do you know what, I will invest, but I'm in it for the long term. And it's the agencies like Homes England and sure that's a podcast in itself as to some success stories and some to not but the idea where you have long-term funding where actually your goal isn't immediate profits but ultimate sustainable growth I think could actually also be really helpful to the region as well and foster some really exciting opportunities. Um, I don't want to get into the weeds of, of the relationship and I'm looking slightly at Sarah now I know the Crown Estate has been a part of the conversations around Thetford and if there's a if there's an organisation that knows about patient capital, I suppose it's it must be the Crown Estate. But Paul, hearing what you've heard, and that there's, there there are businesses being displaced from Cambridge, and I, I assume that that presents an opportunity in itself to the Snetterton Business Park. How ready, or how do you make yourself ready to rise to that? If you're, you know, I'm I say making assumptions of your preparedness, but. What do, what do you do? How does that make you feel and, and how do you react to that? Well, I think it's a really exciting opportunity. We're um, currently working on a master plan <coughs> for the whole site and that's to provide a variety of accommodation from large-scale warehouses with, um, down to hybrid units, which are a mix of office R&D space and warehousing and small-scale manufacture. Um, I think what the region does struggle with a little bit is startups. Um, we we've got lower than average startup levels in terms of businesses setting up, um, but we do have a lot of SMEs, and I think we need to look to encourage those, provide collaborative environments, and and create clusters really of businesses. That's my ambition was always for the park to to identify a niche and and, and then have businesses move in that support each other and create their own ecosystem and thrive because each other are. And I think. I think I'm starting to see interest and steps towards that. We're, we're not there yet. Um, we, we, we attracted Equipmake, who are uh, mm. recently floated their um, electric motor R&D business, small-scale manufacturer, and I think there's an exciting opportunity around their growth. Um, and, you know, we've attracted um, a company called Weimer, who do um, their agritech, so they call themselves cabbage polishers, but they produce <laughs> machines that... that as my, you know, my very basic understanding is they take uh, vegetables out of the field, clean them, wash them, bag them, weigh them. You know, so we are starting to see these tech R and D businesses coming onto site, 
and we've also seen a number of businesses that have started in our smallest units, which are a thousand square feet, mm. moving into two, three, four, five thousand square feet. Mm. That the challenge for us is is doing a mixture of uh, speculative builds, which are costly, yes, and risky course. because someone could come in and go, "Well, I don't like what you built there, but can you change it?" And then the D and B stuff, um, which takes Sorry, time. Dear. Design and build. Sorry, I, I, I'm sorry, crack down on TLAs. Sorry. <laughs> so, I mean, we've recently done a design and build for Hitachi. We attracted Hitachi construction machinery to the site. Wow. But you've got a, a lot of people want to, they want instant gratification. They want to turn up, see a unit that's perfect for their needs, and they want to move into it because people leave it too late to look for space. They always do, and yeah. that's right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then end up having to compromise because it's... Um, um, yeah, it is challenging, and 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 also with with spec, how do you fund it? How do you finance it when it's when it's when it's and, and so on? And then, yeah, do you ever produce the perfect unit for somebody? It's it's it, a real. You don't have enough demand. You don't have yeah. enough demand for it to for it to be. Uh, if you had constant demand, a bit like a, in Cambridge, if you if you if you put some some labs up, they'll go. You can do those as spec, but because you're attracting sort of um, not one-offs, it's more than one-offs. It's 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 a slower slower flow. It's 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 the the mass is harder to justify. Isn't it is, it? Yeah. yeah. It's harder to, to mm. guess what what inquiry is going to come our yeah. way. You know, yeah. uh, you you think that office space. You know, everyone's saying there's you know less demand for office space. Yet we've just built under a design and build uh, uh, new offices for Pandasil, who are one of the region's largest yeah, professional really. services businesses. So I wouldn't have necessarily thought yeah. to build that on spec. And actually, if I had, it wouldn't have met their requirements. Exactly. But the I think I think it, look, it's exciting. The, you know, uh, you rewind back five years ago, Snetterton was 65,000 square feet of empty buildings. Yeah. We're probably touching on 100,000 square feet now fully occupied. So, you know, with another 45 acres of land that's yet to be developed. So, and we're we're concentrating on building high quality space. I think that's something else the region struggles with. There's a lot of old space. Um, it's yes. not easy to to bring up to today's standards with all the energy efficiencies that people are looking for. But new space, you know, we're aiming for high energy, you know, high efficiencies and top quality space. Yeah, I've got some figures there because obviously it harks exactly what you're saying. Uh, our summer twenty three. Norwich commercial data book just released on our website basically says there is a shortage of grade A yeah. accommodation and the biggest need is in the area between five and 10,000 square feet range. So my, my advice to you would be to speak to uh, Will Jones in our Norwich office, but flexibility will be the key on your site going forward because you need to be ready for demand. So basically it's buildings that are flexible for use and partitioning to be able to allow the startups to go to medium to go to bigger. Uh, that's what happens in Cambridge uh, in particular. So Anna, it's it's easy to sit here and, and for me to encourage you all to be excited and, and excitable and, and dream the dream, the dream, the impossible dream. How do we then take this conversation and package it and get it out there in a way that excites people to look at Snetterton, excites people saying, okay, Cambridge is, is, is getting a bit too pricey for us but we still want to be close to that ecosystem. Oh, Snetterton Park, that looks really exciting. How do we package that? I mean, I said this with Chris out here, but how do we do that? What's the way that you do would would interest clients of of Mills and Reeves? Well, I think first and foremost, podcasts like this go a really long way. 
Um, and I think initiatives like the LEP have been, you know, absolutely fundamental to bringing the vision to where it is to date. I think for me, the leading, you know, businesses we have in the region seem to want to and need to take it forward in facilitating those conversations. Part of what we at Mills and Reeve in particular are really passionate about is facilitating the roundtable conversations. Who are the people we know need to talk to each other? Um, and I think you don't need to legislate for that. It's ironically no. not ro rocket science, but actually having people to spot the opportunities, to facilitate those conversations and to be proud of what we do. I think there's sometimes this inherently very, dare I say it, British sense of sensibility where we're not very good at vocalising what we do and what we've got. And I think by amplifying those conversations and giving the forums for them, you know, that's where we drive a lot of growth as well. I think that uh, when I talked to Joe Graziano of Growth EQ, which is a C-level executive search um, outfit working in Cambridge in London, and uh, he, I, I, I got, I talked to him because of a, a thing he, he did at George Cambridge Tech Week and Cambridge And, which is a kind of international front door for the Cambridge ecosystem, and he he said something that really stuck with me that was, if you approach Cambridge with an open mind, you'll be in, amazed at what you find, uh, and I thought, wow. And, and it's and people have said, oh, Cambridge is really hard to get engaged in. And I, I can't say I found it easy, but with 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 effort and with the willingness to turn up, then you you can absolutely get engaged in that. And it, it's been one of the great joys of, of doing Eastern Promise. But bringing these sort of alliances together, what part can can some of that Bidwells play in that? Because we, we obviously Chris Chris is here and Chris knows all about bringing partnerships together. He's been doing that for. A very long time. To, no, 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 no. Um, so how, how do we do that in a fresh way that, that gets partners interested in a way that Cambridge don't think we're trying to steal their lunch, but actually collaboration is, is, the, is the, the word of the moment. No, nobody wants to be competing anymore. People want to collaborate. Well, 36 years in town planning has taught me one big lesson. What you don't do is you don't go in cold. Uh, if you're going to put a big scheme in, you don't put a banger planning application, as we call it, without consultation. So the benefits and advantages is the fact that you go to the communities first and you get them engaged and you take the team with you to the villages and the settlements uh, and you put together a project team that's going to listen as well as talk about their proposals. There's a firm, I'm giving them a, a bit of a name check, they're called Socius. They've done some brilliant work in Cambridge. And what they do is they take their vision and then they get feedback from what the community wants and they try and build it into the scheme. So that's one way of doing it on a site-specific basis and also at master plan level. But obviously what you do need to do is have the collaboration between private sector, public sector, institutions and academia. But what you said earlier about long-term play and not making a quick profit, that can be difficult to do if you're a private developer. But we find that the pension funds, London pension funds, there's a lot in Cambridge who are spending an awful lot of money on very big projects, knowing it's going to be 30 to 40 years before they get their returns. Now, of course, that's our money. That's our pension money. They're investing in that for the long term. Not many people can do that. So the developers have to work out what they can do to get that infrastructure in early. 
And if you're going to put the infrastructure in early, that's going to go down well with the local communities. What they don't want is just to see loads of houses or loads of industrial floor space with nothing for them. So and, yeah, you know, absolutely. That's, that's I, I think fear is 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 a huge a huge issue in in these developments, and it's 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 perhaps being able to see things like you've got people working in the Cambridge ecosystem, living and working in. Okay, let's say Thetford again. But what's that going to do for local schools? What's that going to do? in terms of raising aspiration in the town. And, and you know, if, a, if it, the overall attainment of a school goes up, then more and more people want to go to that school and more and more people, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it all, it, it, it all, it all snowballs into, into a really positive picture. Can I come in there? Oh, please do. Because uh, it's in my notes. As you know, Ros Bird, who's been on a previous panel, she's been in Cambridge, she's been at Snetterton. Uh, sorry, not Snetterton. Um, Silverstone uh, Research Park. She's got that wonderful knowledge. One of her great beliefs is education, skills and apprenticeships. Mm -hmm. You see, in those communities, if you can get them at a young age and take them into higher education and then on to jobs, you've got a winning combination. It starts at that level. So it's for the long term in that respect as well. Mm. Chris, I, I, I ask this with a slight hesitancy, but in terms of... I, I hope it's not overly controversial to say, and I said this with Sarah looking at me, I, I, I once had a conversation at an event, I think it was Sink the City, where a councillor, who shall remain nameless, That's said... Sink in a good way, not... Sink, sink in a with a Y, as in synchronised, <laughs> not sink as in a torpedo, <laughs> glug, glug, all hands lost. Um, who said, well, this sort of collaboration is all very well as long as it all comes back to Norfolk. And obviously politicians are going to care about their constituents and want the best for their constituents. So how do we create for, with them... A consensual, uh, that sounds a bit, um, consensual, inclusive, positive vision that doesn't get sunk in parochialism. Is that okay, Sarah? Thumbs are coming up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely fine. I mean, look, I think in life you have to recognise that everyone has an angle. So if you're a, if you're a bank, guess what? You want to make money. If you're a developer, you want your developments filled. If you're a local councillor, you want you want to get re-elected and so on. So, so I think you have to recognise everyone comes from a different angle. If you're Cambridge, you want Cambridge to grow. And you're not that bothered about Norfolk, to be honest, because you, you're Cambridge. And if you're Norfolk, you're the, 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 the same. So, so I think I think recognising that everyone has a has a different angle and a different input into the process I think is important and not pretending that doesn't doesn't exist but recognizing that you've got a um, a an offer or a project or a plan that can tick as many of those boxes as, as possible in, in one go so let's say Cambridge has a problem with overheating can't, can't a business in Cambridge can't find let's say let's call them AstraZeneca who came to Cambridge and thought do you know what? We haven't got homes for all our folk. Where are they all going to live? Well, actually, if you worked with Thetford on affordable housing and uh, and so on, then you've got you've you've solved Cambridge's problem. You've created an opportunity for uh, opportunity for Thetford. So you've 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 ticked several boxes in one go. What what I would say, and one of the points I wanted to make is that I think in terms of supporting Cambridge, entirely in favour of that because it provides opportunities for folk in Norfolk. Exactly. Okay. But also, we 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 mustn't allow the um, those necklace towns to become just dormitory towns because then you don't have a a proper community in Thetford if people are just 
hopping on the train in the morning, disappearing, and then coming back and so on. Thetford and, and those towns need industry and need uh, things of their own as well, which I think is important. So it's a kind of symbiotic relationship and so on. So um, um, so hopefully does that... No, I, I think I think absolutely. I mean, you, you, you want people to have the community that they feel comfortable and happy with, and you don't want to just completely say well that doesn't matter because we want to we want to help cambridge and benefit for the win-win it, it, and I, but i believe that's supremely possible and that places i mean Th thetford has that growing cultural offer with shakespeare at the priory um that that you know that's the kind of you know sports events being broadcast at the riverside on the big on a big screen that's the, exactly the kind of events we want to come see across uh, and I think Breckland's been really on the front foot in in supporting those um, cultural events to build that community. And, I, and, I, and I, I guess I always think, um, you know, people in Cambridge are deprived of football. Come to Carrow Road if you want to see a team a successful. Now, I've team. got both teams on the podcast coming up, so that's very naughty. And I and I and they both did a fantastic job. Um, so I'm making no comment. But what I'm going to do is just quickly go to Anna and Paul before I ask for a general uh, roundup and 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 what do we do for, where do we go from here with this conversation but before we do that just ask for, for anna to just to reflect on that or from kind of the the legal your legal standpoint what's what's the okay we'll, we'll, we'll jump straight to it then what's the next step what is the thing the practical thing that we can do that, that to take this conversation support those elements that are already in train and, and move forward I mean, as a typical lawyer, I'm probably going to say the solution isn't necessarily a legal one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think there are things that, you know, we can do to facilitate it. I think around making sure the legal structures in terms of placemaking for communities really work in fostering those communities like Chris has touched on. So there are things like, as you well know, community interest companies, community yes. land trust, those kind of things, which will give a sense of placemaking. Um, to those communities um, and I think also Rob's point about attracting the pension funds in um, is going to be really key as well because these infrastructure-led projects do need a very specific kind of event, uh, investment to get them off the ground and get them yeah. going. So Chris just quickly and I'll come to Paul how, how would Norfolk County Council and partners go about sort of packaging that and, and attracting those? I mean, I, I'm assuming those conversations may already be drained. I don't know. But just just how, how would you like, how would Norfolk County Council like to see such a thing uh, evolve? So so we operate as a facilitator in the same way that Sarah and colleagues at Breckland do, working closely together, so and bringing different partners together and so on. So, uh, so, so for me, there's something about ensuring we have um, particularly private sector businesses who have an interest, who who see potential, we have to show them the potential, um, and for them then to, in a sense, take and make the next steps, recognizing that that does a case, does sometimes, and particularly in infrastructure homes, need there's a case for public investment to to pump prime in order to unlock the uh, the longer term private capital. Uh, so for me, it's about uh, making sure we've got identified who are the who are all the actors in this space and getting them talking, getting them collaborating, getting them cooperating and so on and um, uh, bringing them bringing them on tours to, to see Paul's site. Absolutely. So, Paul, you've got a site with exciting potential. You've got a master plan coming forward. How is how are you going to sort of drive that forward and, and, and sort of market that? 
Well, I think um, I want to say thank you to you, Mike, for <coughs> arranging this conversation. It's um, it's it's made me think about a lot of things, even just in this short period of time. But what we need to do now is collaborate and really sort of take this vision and turn it into reality. And I think, you know, I obviously need to be talking to Chris. I haven't done, but I need to. Um, and I need to be engaging with more businesses and getting other people as excited as we are about this opportunity. And you're just just remind remind me, Paul, of your your uh, Snetterton Business Park website, uh, SnettertonPark.co.uk. Oh right, go on, make that. <laughs> so for anyone listening who thinks I want to be part of this conversation, I have something really positive to, to contribute, or you want to be in t- put in touch with anybody you've heard on the panel today. Mike at easternpromise.site, S-I-T-E. That's Mike at easternpromise.site, or you can go to easternpromise.org.uk, follow the link to contact, and bang me an email that way. Rob, this has been an extremely exciting and interesting discussion, I think, and I am really excited about this being just the first two of hopefully more roundtables that people can take part of. What would you like us to do going forward? What is the next step that one this podcast can take and, and and people listening who want to be involved well a lot of great work was undertaken by the lep and we know that the future of the leps are, are very much um in doubt with with the government movements uh planning legislation is very weak at the moment it's very localist uh view there's no strategic planning of any note there might be a new government coming soon uh there's a couple of things i wanted to mention branding and vision we did branding of the ARC, as we called it then, the Oxford Cambridge ARC. So for international investors, they need to see what it's all about. What does it mean? What does the corridor actually mean? What does it say? Because people won't know what it is. It's a concept. So you have to brand it. You have to get branding to say, this is the piece we're looking at. And at more local level, Breckland, as it were, from a regional level down to a local level, you've got the local plan. You've got the economic officers here Uh, so you need to look at it at all levels you need to get people together as i say national planning legislation is weak about collaboration across authorities but you don't worry about that you need to crack on with it anyway and there is a way of doing those partnerships but you've got to have government at central level being interested as well so you've got to go to central government to get some funding Mm. you know to for infrastructure Uh, but working with private sector, developers um, and institutions and academia. I think you've got to bring them all together regularly at workshops just to get the thing moving and understand what it is you're trying to do. Yeah, I can't do better than that. I'm I'm not going to sit here and and splutter and stutter. Anna? I think it's about amplifying what's already here and contributing to that conversation around branding that that Rob's alluded to. We have got some world-leading businesses, startups already in Cambridge and Norwich. And I think the professional services that are also here have got a role to play in bringing that all together. Chris, draw to a close this first chapter, or first yeah, two so chapters I, in, look, the, in the story. Look, I found this a really, um, uh, really stimulating discussion. Uh, I'm heartened by continued appetite uh, and belief in the, uh, in the tech corridor concept particularly from from private sector colleagues. So, you know, as the public sector, we're there to support, enable, and where there's a will, there's a way. That was part two of an ongoing discussion, and you can find part one, where the panel and I look at what Cambridge needs and the strategic opportunity this provides for Norfolk, 
on the podcast feed. My thanks to Matthew Samways, Paul Downing, Anna Aldous, Councillor Sarah Suggett, Rob Hopwood and Chris Starkey for those enjoyable, absorbing and encouraging discussions. Again, this is an ongoing discussion which is continuing to take shape. Indeed, plans for further instalments are forming as I speak. If you're in the Cambridge area or in this particular slice of Norfolk or anywhere in the east of England, you like what you've heard and you want to get involved in future roundtables, audio tours, workshops or networking in the area we're talking about, then do reach out via LinkedIn. My name's Mike Rigby. My DMs are open. You can also use the contact function at easternpromise.org.uk or email me at mike at easternpromise.site. The Eastern Promise Podcast is a Priors Croft production for the Eastern Promise Community Interest Company and was brought to you in association with Mills and Reeve. Achieving more together.